A home is like a tree. A home is like a tree. Over time, it shifts in shape. A home is like a tree. It watches and it waits. A home is like a camera, recording everything inside it. Moments in a home that shape a space, good or bad, evil or lovely, hover like a double exposure on top of all things that will follow in the same room. For this reason, in some religious circles, a home is called God's witness. Trust the home, it will provide a report. Homes protect the young, collapses on your lung, pushes you down its steps. A home is like an elephant. Whatever it sees, it never forgets. But if you treat a home well, and treat the people inside of it kindly, a home is a friend. The well-treated home is a positive spirit, a quiet observer. A home is a friend. The permanence of moments in rooms. Moments of great depth become a part of the permanent history or permanent memory of any room. Take, for example, the moment just now between Dale and Marie. That moment will never leave the room in which it occurred. The life inside a room, good or bad, carves itself into the home's mind. This is how rooms with history take on a feeling that new rooms, which you could also call young rooms, do not yet possess. Look, just this once, the home will allow you to see it. A glimmer of light, like a beam of sun. Do you see it? It's Dale and Marie holding one another. As long as this home is intact, they are holding one another right now. It could be 300 years from now, 400. As long as this home is still here, that is Dale and Marie holding one another. It's beautiful, isn't it? The ghost of the moment. 1973 is when that happened. But if you're at home, Every moment is timeless, and it feels like you're witnessing it live every time. Of course, we are not homes, and we have to move on. So with that moment frozen, let's pause it. Homes conveniently can pause moments. In a way, homes are like videotape. There's a gear in front of you. Turn it clockwise. You're gonna to wanna to turn it clockwise until it clicks in a natural rhythm. That's it. 
You're doing perfect. With each click of the gear, the image of Dale and Marie will now lightly fade from view, and you will see a fast forward of 25 years ahead. With each click of the gear, the projected image of Dale and Marie will lightly fade now from view, from view, from view, from view, and you will start to see a fast forward of 25 years going ahead in time, slowly in its place. The camera will not change its perspective. It will stay the same room. It is the same room. It's the same exact camera shot. Just 25 years ahead. Now, in November, 1998. If you ask the home, Dale and Marie are still in the room. Or at least their moment is. You can still even feel them. But in terms of your perception of things, they're fading quickly from view. The mood of them merely hovers like color in the air. Next to this fading, barely detectable Dale and Marie is the home's current occupant. You might recognize him. You'll see a hyperactive, hurried person, a very detectable and fidgeting, 100% opaque, Charlie Pickle. Charlie is presently freaking out. <laughs> this is not a recording for Charlie. What you're watching, this is his current time. A live broadcast of Charlie Pickle in the morning. Charlie would be embarrassed to be found by other memories in that room, sitting there in only a pair of white underwear. He needs a shower and his eyes are red. This hasn't been a very kind day to Charlie on this Thursday morning in November. Kind of overslept today. Working at home hasn't kept him very much on a schedule. He knows Harland is about to hit him up on that speaker too. Pickle, Pickle, it's 11.05 a.m. Why haven't I heard from you, Pickle? Don't tell me you haven't left yet on your drop off. Charlie is indeed running late. He needs to do his Thursday morning packet drop-off. It's 11.06 now, everybody. You agree with me? 11.06, Charlie. Are we paying you to be a chronic joke? <laughs> Finally, with all of Charlie's strength, he releases himself from the attack of Harlan's micromanagement and is able to click the talk button on his speakerphone. Got it, Harland. Sorry. Yes. 11.06. Leaving right now. Great. See you back on the phone at 11.55 a.m. for a pre-lunch check-in confirming this delivery. Talk to you in 49 minutes. Got me, Charlie? <sighs> got it. Uh, got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Charlie yells back to the speakerphone, snapping. Pickle? I don't appreciate that. I want to hear your door shut. And I want you to keep your phone on. When I hear you return, and when you return, tell me so. I want to hear when you walk back into your home. Even though he's miles away from Harland, Charlie feels a desperate desire to run away from the phone call, which for Charlie means to run out of his own home. 
The problem is he can't just up and leave. Charlie is a bit behind. He was a bit slow this morning and he was a bit slow yesterday. And he's just now getting most of his work finished. Once he gets his final spreadsheet done, he can prepare the packets and the disks and leave. Pickle, I haven't heard your door open to leave yet. Are you still there? Fucking Harlan, man. Lay off. Charlie would describe Harland as the type of person who can't masturbate in front of a TV because he's so paranoid and also so self-important that he thinks there's a camera inside taping him. Charlie stops what he's doing and mimics opening his back door to leave so that it is audible on the speakerphone. Leaving now, Harland, Charlie then shuts his door and then carefully walks back to his speakerphone to turn it off, send, or talk, effectively muting him from Harlan's invasive ears. To Harland, Charlie is out the door, and while Charlie is a little late, he's nicely harassed, and for the most part, on schedule. <laughs> Harland, feeling satisfaction, moves on to checking on someone else. The home looks down and sees this, Harland. And Harland, the home hasn't liked the way you've been talking to Charlie. And a home never forgets. <laughs> <laughs>